0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Jenny Blake. She is a former career development program manager at Google and she is also the author of What to Do When You Need to Move Out of Your Parents' Basement. No, that's not it. We'll get back to that one. (laughs) And the book we're going to talk about today, Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One. So Jenny, thanks for joining me.
1: John, thank you for having me. I wish I wrote "What to Do When You Move Out of Your Parents' (laughs) House." That sounds like a great (laughs) title. I
0: had uh, I I was talking about one time about uh, something to do with some sort of newish technology, and some um, I'm guessing you know, twenty five ish year old said, "You're old. What do you know about that?" And so I, oh my goodness, so I had to write back to him and say, "Come up out of your." parent's basement before they take away your Atari or something like that. I can't remember some snipey Oh
1: my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, that and the alternate title for Pivot is How to Not End Up in a Van Down by the River.
0: (laughs) So before we get into your latest book, what does a career development program manager do at Google?
1: I was there for five and a half years and halfway into my time there... So during that five years, the company grew from 6,000 to 36,000 employees. And one major issue became retention. How They hired all these smart recent grads from Ivy League schools. How do you then keep them once you get them there? And that was becoming an issue where these people were hitting plateaus one or two years into their time at the company. And so under the people operations department, they created a career development team and I had been doing side projects related to this. So my job was, my my biggest project was launching a global drop-in coaching program. But in general, our charge was creating programs that would help people learn and grow within the company and map their next move within the company so they didn't feel that their only option was to leave.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I mentioned an organization of that size, which by the way, I've never even come close to working in. um, There probably is a whole lot of career moving that has to do, I mean, that happens internally. Um, In fact, probably the day you show up, right? You start thinking about your next move internally.
1: Yeah. And internal mobility is not always an easy nut to crack because, you know, at one point there was a sentiment that it's easier to get hired here in the first place than it is to move to another team because there are a lot of variables that have to happen internally even just the visibility of what roles are open and how do I grow into them and how do I have those conversations with my manager because it could be kind of scary to bring this stuff up
0: yeah not to mention the politics too which we won't go down a rabbit hole here but (laughs) I'm I'm sure there's plenty of that too Uh, you know people people don't Unfortunately, don't want to see people grow beyond where they are today in some cases. But again, like I said, we won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, the term pivot is used quite often today in startups. In fact, it's it's sort of a joke, you know, that you're expected to come out with your product and then you realize nobody wants it, and so you now are this kind of company, <laughs> and so you you know pivot. How are you applying that now to careers?
1: Well at first I started to ask how can people be as agile as startups and then quickly as I got to writing and also I wanted a term that was judgment neutral and gender neutral when it came to career change because previously we've just called them a midlife crisis or a quarter life crisis and there was no word for this thing that's now happening every few years where we're all asking what's next much more often than in the past and I recognized that what's different from the business context of the word pivot is that when startups talk about pivoting, it's because plan A failed. The original direction didn't work. And now, as you said, they have to pivot the business. But in our career, pivot is the new normal. It's not just plan B that we screwed something up. We hit pivot points all the time. Sometimes we choose to pivot. Sometimes we get pivoted. And truly now more than ever, change is the only constant. So I wrote this book to create a method to more efficiently answer the question, what's next, given that we're gonna be doing it much more often.
0: Yeah, and I actually see that, um, and again, you're, you're not saying it's a generational thing necessarily, but I see that in you know my kids that are in their 20s, um, the, the sort of balance and scales of what's important seems to have changed in a way. I mean, it was at one time very important that you had this stable job, that it had a title, that obviously it had the money and the perks and things, and I see a lot of uh, folks in, the, let's say, under 30s that the idea of, I want to be really happy, I want freedom, I want to be able to do the things I want to do. Um, Sort of coming up in you know higher in the decision-making factor Which maybe has some of them saying I'm gonna change completely what I'm doing because I'm not happy
1: Yes, and on the flip side you have there are 10,000 people turning 65 every day for the next 15 years and many of them don't have any plans to stop working altogether or just go golf for the next 30 years. So you have millennials who saw many of their parents get laid off or reorged or be very unhappy when the recession hit in 2008. And so they kind of stepped back and said, what am I doing climbing this ladder that I don't know if I want to be on. And then, and then again, all the way to boomers who are saying, I love what I do. I mean, I'm sure for you, John, like you've pivoted your business many times and probably I don't know how you think about retirement but i just think for so many of us we're like no i love what i do (laughs) you know i don't i don't have any plan to cut it off cold turkey just because i turn a certain age
0: yeah i mean i you know and my listeners know i'm i'm 56 so you know i'm i'm getting up there and where some people start thinking about that and i've certainly changed what i do i take a lot more time (laughs) to go play um and things of that nature but yeah the idea that i'm gonna just stop maybe never i mean i'm I'll probably be writing books in my 70s and 80s.
1: That's how I feel too. And I think we, of course we can say it'd be nice if finances were an option at that point. You know, we're not having to work incredibly hard just to survive, but but that this creative output. My friend Neil Pasricha, maybe you know him. He wrote in the happiness equation about the Japanese term Ikigai, the reason you wake up every day and that working on creative pursuits. And so that, so when I talk about pivoting, it is age and stage agnostic. It's that we're all, we're all constantly wondering, you know, what's next. And that's not a problem. That's not a personal shortcoming the way that I think we've sometimes viewed it in the past.
0: You, and I was, you answered a question I was going to ask who's this book for so you're really saying it's for anybody who's you know, still thinking about what they're doing <laughs> that uh, <laughs> is, is making a living so is there typically uh, or does it you know a lot of times people don't even realize they're unhappy um, and they're just going along and they're, so they're not looking for like the next thing do t- people typically have a pivot moment uh, or event that kind of says I have to change
1: Definitely. I mean, it can happen so many ways. I call them pivot points when you finally you realize, oh, I'm out of pivot points for some who maybe have been ignoring the signals. Your body starts to push back and maybe they get sick more often. Or my friend was getting panic attacks every time she got off the subway on her way to work and that was a clear sign she was at a pivot point. Like you said, for others it's more subtle, it's a more subtle kind of boredom or dissatisfaction. Some people are very proactive and they're just looking for what's next and then sometimes we get pivoted. We get, there, there are layoffs or a reorg or we lose our biggest client. And so all of these are a moment where we can say, well, what's working and how do I double down on that and what's next and I think when we get better at pivot as a mindset and the method itself, the pivot points are less sharp. They're less shocking that we don't see them coming and we feel blindsided. And that's when it is a crisis.
0: Well, and I think probably one of the biggest challenges for people, even if they know they need to make that pivot, it's like, it feels like you're standing on the edge of a cliff. I mean, maybe I have to quit a job. You know, maybe I don't know what I'm going to do next. Uh, I, You know, the, all those things kind of hold people on for you know i talked to lots of people that are kind of sort of thinking about wondering if they could start a business uh, but they just can't jump because well maybe sometimes they're f- afraid but other times there are practical realities about you know the commitments they have
1: yes i have a whole chapter in the book on pivot finances because money is a very real constraint on pivoting and i would never pretend otherwise and we also my editor and i were very very purposeful in not using language like leap or jump. Right, right. That actually by running small career experiments, I call them pilots mm-hmm. in the book, and by doubling down on what's working, people can methodically work toward their next move and you know, eventually I call it a launch. Eventually there may be a launch moment of quitting your job and starting the business, but that by running small experiments you do reduce risk along the way before you make that final launch decision.
0: This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Alignable, the network exclusively for business owners to network with each other. Connect and meet with business owners nearby in your community. Generate referrals. Do co-promotions and create awareness for your business. Engage in discussions. Get answers to questions and share your insights. And best of all, you can sign up today at alignable.com because it is free. You know, I have concluded over the years in interviewing hundreds and hundreds of people that the secret, one of the secrets, one of the greatest secrets to success is self-awareness. And I think that, that, so this whole idea of doing what makes you happy, I contend that most people don't know that (laughs) Um, and don't know what that looks like and so consequently don't know how to find it. Um, Do you have the magic potion? (laughs)
1: I think that people are clearer than they give themselves credit for. A lot of times when I ask someone, what do you want or what makes you most excited? They first might say, I don't know. And then if I say, well, just guess, what does your gut say? They always say things. They have so many things to say. And so I think sometimes it's actually just a fear of saying it out loud that holds us back from saying it. And so just giving space to admit and explore what success might be and what might bring you joy, even if you don't know how to get there yet, that's really important, is separating out the vision piece from the how, the whole how, as I call it in the book. And John, I'm actually curious because we talked offline and a few questions ago you brought up kind of getting pivoted. And you and I were talking about when September 11th happened. I'm really curious how you responded in that moment with your business, because that there's a great example of you did not choose that event. None of us would in any scenario ever, and yet it affected so many people and it, it, it sparked so many pivots. So I'm actually curious to hear about yours in your business.
0: Well, um, so at that point I was uh, kind of still on the path of what I would call traditional marketing consulting and agency, and we had handful of employees and handful of accounts that we did pretty much whatever they said they'd pay us to do. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, 9/11 came along, and y- you know I think this happened in a lot of places, and it's not a direct correlation. I think it was partly. Like a lot of things, change maybe needed to happen, and that was like a catalyst. <laughs> but uh, we lost our two biggest clients, um, partly because of, of you know what happened was going on in their business um, that was related to some of the downturn in the economy that happened. But it, again, is probably com- too complex to try to even figure out. But the bottom line was we were sitting there now staring at um, you know sixty percent revenue loss or something um, you know overnight, and I had already been working on this idea of duct tape marketing, on this idea of working exclusively with small businesses where I could create a system and say, here's what I'm going to do, here's what you're going to do, you know, here are the results we hope to get, here's what it costs. Um, and, and so, to your point about Pivot, uh, in, in a lot of ways, I was dragging my feet on that. Um, but when we lost our clients, I said, you know, that's what I'm meant to do, and so I'm going to go do it. Uh, it did actually uh, involve in many ways, tearing my business back down to me, um, and, and starting from scratch, uh, for the most part, but you know, I can sell anything. So I, I knew that wasn't really going to be an issue, but it it certainly was a pretty dramatic, uh, pivot, but it was kind of one, you know what I mean? It was, it was one that I actually knew I needed to do anyway, Mm -hmm. and I really just needed to push.
1: It's so interesting how, yes, these, these moments, like losing two of your biggest clients can turn out to be a blessing in disguise. Even if at the time it's the most stressful thing you could possibly experience. So, I mean, so, not-
0: so you do have in the book uh, that, the, um, and I, I, actually think this. So many career advice books are <clears throat> kind of tell you what you should be doing, uh, but don't tell you how to do it. And I think you have a really great methodology for you know how to identify how to get there, how to figure out what you do, you know that, that might signal you know what's next. Like as you mentioned, the you know how to how to finance it. So. Uh, talk a little bit about this kind of search for like let's say i'm just unhappy and know this isn't what i've been meant to do you know how do i start kind of breaking down the hypothesis so to speak for what i'm
1: meant to do next the biggest mistake that i made when pivoting that kept me stuck up for a lot longer than necessary without by the way a paycheck to fund this stuckness i was my bank account was going very quickly to zero was I spent way too much time looking at what wasn't working, what I didn't want, and what I didn't yet have. So my aha moment came to me. I sort of thought about this analogy of a basketball player, that when they stop dribbling, one foot is firmly grounded in the floor, and it's very stable. And that's what I call the plant foot or the plant stage and then their pivot foot can scan for opportunity so one of the most effective ways to get unstuck is first to look at what's already working what are my strengths what are my interests and again that question of what does success look like now you have bracketed the pivot with where you are now and where you want to end up and then you can start scanning options people skills and opportunities that are compelling and it's when people are scanning with most people when they think I've hit a pivot point they go straight to scanning what's out there Mm -hmm. and they fall into compare and despair and analysis paralysis and they feel they're wasting time and they are because it's not rooted in anything it's not grounded in those plant components and so everything starts from that plant stage and then you're scanning and then a real key is the piloting small experiments because We don't know. We don't know. I think of it like I I love metaphors. They just help me. So think about pilots like you have all these racehorses at the starting gate and you don't know which of your small career experiments are going to take off and emerge in the lead. And so career pilots, because that's kind of a newer concept to think about experiments in a career sense Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that could be in your business. It could be piloting a new pricing Structure. It could be a piloting a new type of client. It could be taking a class. It could be launching a beta version of a program or a workshop before you roll it out to your whole audience. A pilot could be calling your pre- previous clients, which I know, John, is something that you advocate and asking, what can I create for you? What do you want? And then try something in a scrappy way before you pour six months of work and $5,000 into it. Yeah, and I think
0: what's really cool is you know this gig economy or, or world that we live in. I mean, there's a whole lot of things you can you can freelance and and do you know on, on the side even to maybe finance some of what you're doing, but probably more than anything else, give you a sense of what that would be like. Because I know a lot of people you know get this idea of here's what I want to do, and they jump into it, and then they go, oh, well, that wasn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> I figured out now. And so I, there's so many ways you can test this, aren't there?
1: Yeah, and I feel like even within the broader career umbrella so let's say you and I are running businesses well we could still be piloting different income streams within mm-hmm. that now you're the king of this so I'm curious what is one pilot or two that you could share that you, that you've got going in addition to the core elements of your business
0: well um, my point of view is that you're constantly piloting so yes. um, I'm everything we do I you know, I. I learned long ago that, that if I locked myself in a room and worked on something for six months and then rolled it out and said, ta-da, you know, there was about a 90% chance that people are going to go, that's not what we want. <laughs> so so what our method for developing any new program or, or tool or course is to go to people that we know already understand the value we bring and say, we're kind of sort of thinking about doing this. Uh, what would that look like for you? And then come back and say, here's what it looks like based on your feedback. Uh, how much would you pay for that? <laughs> um, try this out. Uh, so we're kind. Of, I mean, we, anytime we develop anything, it is really with our clients or or with the market. Um, and, and again, I, you know, there are certainly people that have had tremendous successes creating stuff that people didn't even know they needed. But I find the really safe route is to to go to a market and and let them kind of develop and, and create with you.
1: Yes, I love that too, and and that then it becomes such a co-creation and i know you i mean you've talked so much about that in your books too it's mm-hmm. it's having one ear to the ground that's one of the things about the scanning stage it's not just it's not just about trying to guess and pull things out of the ether it's about yeah. listening and doing in the design thinking community they call it empathy interviews which yeah. is just getting to know as you exactly as you just described what people are actually would love help with
0: yeah, and I really think it's, it's again, it's like, you know, having these board meetings and planning strategy. I mean, I, I think the, that you have to actually go out there in the real world and experience strategy or experience what you're planning before, and then, and then have it know that it's going to evolve um, rather than to simply you know, throw a dart at a board and say, here's what I'm doing.
1: Yes, and I think any good experiment will test what I call the three E's one do i enjoy this potential new direction two can i become an expert at it and three is there room in the market to expand and so sometimes a pilot will hit on two but not the third you know if i love underwater basket weaving and i'm a pro but nobody wants to buy those classes from me it's no good so i think part of it is just continuing to see what's really going to catch on all those fronts
0: is there um is there a risk of, you know, with this, you know, I see a lot of uh, folks at organizations, they've been there two years. It's like, what's wrong with you? You know, (laughs) you're going to get stuck. I mean, is there a risk of, of too much of that thinking to, to, to to the point where people are just constantly looking elsewhere rather than maybe upping their game where they are?
1: Absolutely. That was something that I thought long and hard about with this book, because I don't advocate just changing willy-nilly or pivoting or job hopping the second things get hard. I have a section where I talk about unrealized gains and on the other end of the spectrum, diminishing returns. So unrealized gains are you don't stick with anything long enough to get any value. You're leaving gains, whether it's financial, reputation based or results based gains. If I had left Google when I first entertained the thought two and a half years in, would have been a huge mistake because I wouldn't have created this global coaching program that's now mentioned on the cover of my book. You know, I got a lot of experience capital from staying.
0: Plus a bunch of of stock options.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a a few. (laughs) Not (laughs) enough so that I uh, didn't have to worry about my next pivot in two years. but. I know. I wish I had started pre-IPO. Maybe I wouldn't even be on this podcast. I would just be on a beach in Tahiti. Uh, no, no you,
0: we, we just would be talking about something different, but you'd, you'd want to be yes. here for sure.
1: True, true. Um, I, um, yeah, so I, I think that a part of it is also recognizing that we can pivot within our current role. So whether yeah. that's within your own business or you're working for someone else, pivoting is not always these drastic shifts. It's just a method to work your way into what's next.
0: So what are some kind of quick either you can make them either do's or don'ts whichever way you want to go some kind of quick things that people that that either kind of sabotage their you know their ability to pivot or or kind of keep the ground fertile at all times
1: yeah one of the one of the biggest pitfalls again is is not looking at what's already working another a pitfall is trying to stretch too far so there's the comfort zone stretch zone but then sometimes people will have a move that sends them into their panic zone where they're just paralyzed and not taking any action at all that's a sign that your experiment is too big or your next your turn is too sharp on the if we look at the pivot on an angle from where you are now it's too sharp so i'd say those are the biggest mistakes and then another mistake is is taking a pivot personally we talked about this a little bit at the start but seeing a career plateau as a problem or a personal shortcoming when actually it's fine it's a for maybe some of your listeners know about the s curve which is often we refer to in in terms of innovation cycles and there's this natural tapering that happens and then you start over and i'm sure you know even everyone who's self-employed you're 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 in a growth spurt, and then it tapers because of your success, not because of anything you did wrong. It just you hit these natural plateaus. So yeah. yeah.
0: So in some ways, it's it's probably um, important to continue to look for things that excite you, if nothing else, because it just if you're going to put in the work, why not enjoy it? Yeah, absolutely. So where can people find out more about Pivot and the Pivot Method?
1: Yes, the website is (laughs) pivotmethod.com, and then. They can also listen to the Pivot podcast, which anywhere you subscribe to cast. John Jance has been a guest on my show, so (laughs) (laughs) that will be coming out soon. And I'm on Twitter at Jenny underscore Blake. And of course, the book can be
0: gotten wherever people get their books. Yes. Awesome. Well, Jenny, thanks so much for stopping by today. And hopefully we'll see you soon out there on the road.
1: John, thank you so much for having me. And big thanks to everybody for listening.